Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. The title of today's message is Going Vegan with Paul. Going vegan with Paul. How many of you are vegan in here? Do we have anybody? Want to be? Yeah. How many have tried to go vegan? Anybody? Mike, you've tried it? You've tried it? Yeah. Lee's, Lee has tried it. <laughs> She's like, no, don't talk to me. <laughs> it's funny. I've talked about it before. I mean, I, I've talked about going vegan. Does that count? Yeah, I don't know. Going vegan. Going vegan with Paul. I think the title will make sense uh, here in a few minutes, uh, but I want to leave some ample time for the Lord's Supper here at the end, and usually I don't, so we're going to see if I can make it through this. Uh, but stay with me. I think that if, if you can understand, grasp, and commit this concept of what chapter 8 teaches us, it will solve a lot of problems, a lot. I, I mean, in general, uh, Different things in church become, they become things. The way that you do things, the way that you dress, the, the way that you, uh, your lifestyle, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And depending on the, the type of church you go or the tradition that you come from, um, those things are varied. You know? and, and for me, so a lot of you know, I grew up in an independent Baptist background, very strict fundamental traditionalist perspective, which means, you know, basically if you're new to church, it means that you have to wear a shirt and tie and a, you wear your Sunday's best, whatever that is. Uh, no alcohol. Um, you could, all the pastors were fat, so I, I don't think, gluttony was okay. So, but anyway, anyway, uh, just, point, just pointing out the obvious, but um, that was a little rough, wasn't it? Sorry. And it was a little, and it was a little judgmental. Not all the pastors were fat. <laughs> so, um, yeah, suit and tie, uh, and, and I, my, my family still attends a church like that, so I'm not poking fun. Okay, yes, I am sometimes. Uh, but I feel like I can do it because I come from that. You know, I grew up in it my entire life. And uh, anyway, but, but you, it was more about the process. You came in, and if you got saved and baptized, the level of your discipleship was whether or not how well you conformed. And the danger of that is that it was a standard and everybody knew it, and so it was easy. For those that were good at playing the game, it was easy for them to file in and for them to just become status quo and for them to check the boxes and, and for religion to become religion and not relationship. And so the heartbeat of chapter eight, what we're about to dig into, I think if we're faithful to scripture today, and if we do a little bit of thinking and applying our heart and the Holy Spirit illuminating, I, I think that we're gonna find some answers to that type of behavior. Maybe not at first, maybe you'd be like, ah, I think this is a stretch, but honestly, the questions that we're gonna ask at the end, they're very intrusive, very introspective, where, where you can go inside and find out what's your motive? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Is it because this is our system and this is what good looks like in our church? And I have done my best, like since we started our church day one, there's a little statement that we say. Does anybody know it? 
simply Jesus. The, the whole point behind that is that we don't create or, or make these constructs that become what our church is known for more than him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, if you go to that church, you better fill in the blank. I, I want it to be said, that church is simply Jesus. They just love people. That's what we want. That's what we're going for. And it, I'll say this, it's been a battle. It's tough. It's hard. Why? Because the more people that come in with different backgrounds and different ways of thinking, it becomes, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Why don't we approach it this way or that way? You see what I mean? And then before we know it, we've created constructs that now are what we are known by. So remember, in this series, this is the Las Vegas of the ancient world. Welcome to Corinth. And, and these people were free thinkers, some of them. We have a melting pot of Roman officials, uh, of course, traditional Judaizers, those that come from a, a Jewish background, Paul in particular. And there, there was definitely a population of that. Gentiles, people that were very free with their sexuality. That's, that's evident here in the text. Uh, let's see here off the top of my head. There, there are a few more different types of folks that have come, that have settled in. Greeks, um, you know, traditionally it was an ancient uh, town there in Greek, but uh, Greece. Um, but this melting pot has produced different ideologies. And so what we can see, look at, go ahead and look at your Bible in, in chapter 8, verse number 1. Now about food sacrifice to idols. What we're seeing here is they're asking these questions. We know that Paul heard about some things from Chloe and her uh, the people who worked for Chloe, word got back. There, there is a letter that Paul received from this church. He had sent Timothy to this church. Was I, I didn't dismiss the teens. Are, are you guys being dismissed? Okay, no, good, good, all right. Hey, all right, it worked out. <laughs> uh, but, but Paul has received word uh, from, from, from this church in regards to certain issues that they had questions about. So you see that in chapter seven, he responded now about uh, you know, your, your relationships and about husbands and wives, and he addressed specific things. Now we've reached a place where he says, now in regards or now concerning food offered to idols. And what we're gonna see is we've entered kind of a new chapter, and I know it's been a new chapter, but I mean like a new section of this book. So chapter eight through chapter 11 uh, is all about Christian freedom. What you are allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do, and how we should approach those things. So today we're gonna handle chapter eight specifically in regards to this idea of Christian freedom and as Paul addresses here. So let's jump in. If you have your programs in front of you, I'm going to start at the top and we're going to work our way through. But Paul was their father in the gospel, chapter 4, verse 15, which is the criterion for uh, Christian conduct. And we're going to see that in chapter 9. Those who live according to the gospel seek the highest good of all people in order that uh, as many as possible might be saved. In both of these major sections, a life patterned by the cross is the solution to the fundamental problem of pride, remember pride the problem, it was a few weeks back, that led to the divisions that we see in chapter three, chapter four, chapter 17, uh, I'm sorry, chapter four, verse 17 and 21, and to the unloving actions of those with, in parentheses, and this is what we're gonna deal with today, those with knowledge. 
uh, what is the point of the conversation here, and, and is it to control everyone's diet? Look at chapter 8, verse number 1. Now about food sacrificed to idols. Look at verse number 4, if you have your Bibles open there. About what? Eating food sacrificed to idols in verse number 4. Is this chapter about uh, Paul helping people control their diet? Yes or no? No, it's not. That's not the point. But we see two different uh, scriptures here in chapter 8, which is a relatively short, short chapter, addressing the issue. Paul's language seems to suggest, in principle, that he agrees with those who have a certain knowledge about idols, God, and food. Idols are nothing in this world, verse 4, since there is only one God. And food has nothing to do with one's relationship with God. I don't know about that, though. You know, I mean, there's something spiritual about a hot dog. I mean, how many, how many have had a Chicago-style hot dog in here? Anybody? Only three? Only a few. This, this morning, only one person in the 9 o'clock, and now only three in the 11. What is wrong with people, Mike? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I think you can go to Sonic. They used to. It's not as good, it's not like getting one in Chicago, but you can go to Sonic on 40 and ask for a Chicago-style hot dog and they'll give you one. I mean, it's heavenly, it is heavenly. There is something spiritual about food. They're really, anyway, moving on. We'll talk about that more in a minute, okay? Uh, <laughs> Paul appears to have no problem with food purchased in the marketplace of unknown history, but that may be offered to idols. And he justifies this perspective uh, from Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Likewise, in the case of dining with an unbeliever, Paul forbids eating only if someone discloses the history of the food. In this passage, the guiding principle for Paul, don't miss this, is the effect eating has on one another. It's the effect that eating has on on one another. Listen to this verse here from, from the book of Galatians. Same writer, right? Same writer. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. Listen to this. This is really good. For if you were called to be free, freedom in Christ, for if you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. I mean, if you don't have those verses marked in your Bible, you should mark them. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, You were called to be free, but don't use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Serve one another through love. Verse 14 says this, For the whole law, I want to sh show you this here. For the whole law, verse 14, is fulfilled in one statement, and it is this. Love your neighbor as, does anybody remember? as yourself. So here Paul is in Galatians saying, love your neighbor. The whole of the law is summed up with one thing, love your neighbor as yourself. Look at verse number three here in our text, chapter eight. But if anyone loves God, but if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Back up to verse number one. I'm painting a picture here, stay with me. Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs what? Up. But love builds up. 
So Paul makes a contrast. He says, there, there, is, there, there is one thing that knowledge does, and knowledge puffs you up. Knowledge is the thing that you struggle to get through the doorway because of how much you know. It swells up your head. This is what I know. This is what the Bible says. I got this on lockdown. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds. You know, there's a difference between someone who is full of themselves and full of Jesus. There's a difference between someone who is sure of themselves and someone who is sure of the truth of the gospel and it allows them to build people up systematically. We got so many people that are ready to teach or ready to do or ready to be this person after they get three Bible verses in and they feel like they know what scripture says. It's a process. And, and Paul is saying, you get the picture, right? Paul is saying, you're asking the question about can you eat food offered to idols? And I'm gonna be careful how I answer this. I want to just say, yes, of course. And of course you can eat this food offered to idols. Why? What's, what's the why here? Because we know that those idols are not real. Look back at the text here. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not yet know. He does not yet know it as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Listen to the phrase. If you know something, you're puffed up. If you are known, you are loved and can love. That's the difference. It's so simple. It's so close in nature, but the point is not what you know, but who knows you? Why am I not effective in my discipleship? Why am I not, not effective in my Bible reading, in my Christian life? Because you're after the wrong thing. You're after an answer, and you should be after having him know you. When, when you come to know the Lord, it becomes very evident that it's not about what we bring to the table, but that we get to sit at his table. Do you understand what I'm saying? What about, can we eat food offered? I, Paul is like, the problem with this question is that you're coming to me for me to co-sign your behavior and you're missing the point. And Paul evokes something very special from the Old Testament. Let's, let's look and see what, what it is here. Look at verse, let's, let's keep reading here in this spot. Verse number three says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Verse four, about eating food sacrificed to idols, then we know that an idol is nothing in the world. Watch what he does here. And that in parentheses, there is no God but one. He quotes something here. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is what? One God, the Father. All things from him and we exist what? For him and there is one Lord Jesus Christ. All things are through him and we exist through him. However, not everyone has this what? He says, for you that have the knowledge, what is the knowledge that he's talking about? He's talking about this. What is Paul doing? He is evoking the most fundamental expression of Jewish faith, the Shema. That's what he's doing. Here's what it says. Deuteronomy 6, 4, listen Israel. This is the most fundamental expression of Jewish faith. This is the start of many prayers, and they will pray the Shema. 
Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one, the Shema. Paul is saying in this passage of scripture, knowledge isn't to puff up, but those of you who know, well, what is he saying? Those of you who understand that our God is the one true God. Those of you now, watch, coming from different cultures, different backgrounds, a a, a Jewish believer, one that, that claimed Jesus Christ as the Messiah, one that says, look at Paul, who was someone who was a zealot, a religious zealot, who persecuted Christians, now believes that Jesus is the what? One true God. Think about what he's doing. He's going back to the Old Testament shaman. He's saying, guess what? The one God is Jesus. I know it might not hit hard for you. It hits really hard for me. He's evoking the old covenant is here. The weight that you see in the law, the weight that you see every Jew keeping the law and keeping the structure is the same thing I'm building upon to answer your question. In other words, you, those of us that say we're not like them or those Jews that kept their, their faith that sort of way, right? Remember the, the council, whether they should be circumcised or whether they should not, whether they should continue with their dietary laws or whether they should not. Literally, the question here is, should we eat meat sacrificed to idols or not? <laughs> Imagine the Jews in the church. The heck is wrong with these people? Get them out, Paul! Like, come on. I was like, look, that's a filet mignon they were offering to that false god. I don't care, shoot. Let's have dinner, you know what I'm saying. I'll pray to my god. Why? Because I know that their god is not real. Their, their God is a lesser being. And the Jews in the room are like, la, 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 la. I don't want to know. And Paul evokes the Old Testament tradition, one of the most sacred prayers from the Jewish faith, and he says, this is the Shema. Jesus is the one true God. And then when you consider what he writes in Galatians, if you're called to be free, if you're called to be free, brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Bless you. So so here's the point. There were drastic differences between these people in this church and what Paul is saying, this can work we can come together in such a way that respects one another and builds each other up, but doesn't violate their conscience. Look, look, you can be in this church and have maybe stricter standards than someone else who has a lesser standard, and we can still coexist. We can still get through this thing together. And how Paul approaches this is one of the most amazing things and how he develops this chapter. Is everybody with me a little bit? Kind of-ish. I'm just like, all right, I'm borderline. Here's the truth. Simply put, this is the knowledge. Paul says, for those of you that have this knowledge, and remember, he's bridging the gap from the Jews that say, oh, we know who it is, but yet we accept Jesus 
and all of the people that say, I just accepted Jesus yesterday. I don't know why you won't eat dinner at my house and you think I'm unclean and I don't really get it, but I love you. Come here. And they're like, woo. He's bridging the gap, but here's what the knowledge is. The knowledge is this. It's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth that we have one Lord, one God. And what I love about that is it's we have one Lord, the Father and Jesus, and then we know who else? The Holy Spirit. It's not a contradiction. It's how the Lord operates. So he says, this is the knowledge. The knowledge is the truth of the gospel. So let me give you a little bit more background. Dining was used in worship. This, and this is where like, we as a culture, we can learn some things from their culture. This is just a free, a free spot in the message here. This isn't the message, but dining was used in worship. Think about this. Passover is a meal, right? The Passover meal. It was a meal celebrating the victory and freedom over their enemies in Egypt. It was a meal that they ate together. Watch this. The priests would have a portion of the sacrifice offered in the temple as their meal. Somebody say amen. <laughs> That's right. Come here, let me offer that nice sacrifice, that lamb without blemish, and I'm about to have me a bite of it in a minute. The priest would have a meal. The point is, is that we see a dining experience as worship. Think about some of the messages that Cody has been bringing about God's abode, Eden, the Lord's house, your body is the temple. Consider the fact that in someone's house, one of the most intimate things that you can do, and this is something that every one of their cultures would have identified and understood, is you sit down and you have a meal together. It's intimate. The tent of meeting in the old covenant, when, when the Lord would come and they would sit and they would prepare, Abraham told Sarah, prepare the cakes. We're, we're gonna have a meal together. What, is, what has happened in our society? We don't even eat dinner, and this is just free. This is not the message, but you understand what I'm saying. When you look at the old covenant, all the way through the Passover meal, reinstituted as the Lord's Supper, what we're gonna take today, communion, it's all about dining together. The marriage supper of the lamb. Get used to it, sweetheart. I don't like to cook. The Lord's gonna have you cooking for eternity. No, I'm kidding. The, the point is, is that there's something spiritual and, and there's worship in eating together, in dining together. And what do we got? I talked about it last week. It's just fast food. Run, 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 go, go, go. Me and my McDoubles, two for three, you know. Look, we have got to fight against some of these things in our culture. We need to bring back the dinner table. Bring back the conversations. It is just a must for us in our week. My wife bakes bread, makes it from scratch. There's an art in cooking. There's an art in a meal that has been crafted. And some of you are like, ain't nothing artful about what I got going on in the kitchen. <laughs> it takes practice. It takes honing your craft. We're worshiping the wrong things. We really are. We've got it so backwards. Enjoy those things. Here's just a few questions. Do you take, take time to break bread and offer thanks around the one, the one God, what Paul is saying, the one that made it possible? Paul is saying in your culture, 
it doesn't really matter if we eat meat offered to that idol because we know who we're offering thanks to. Is that something that you do? Have we opened up our lives to share intimate moments with each other around us? I think that's, that is a, a question begging in this passage. They're going, hey, can we get together around this? Church, do we get together at all? Are we so like church is a point in the week that we all come to? Or are we going and meeting and dining and having intimate fellowship with one another? This is a good book, but does the gospel come with a house key? Has this become something that your home is now a reflection of? I know many of you, it is, your, your house is the house on the block that everybody comes and eats and dines at. If it should be anyone, it's the Christian. Open door policy, come on over. That was all free. Culturally, the Corinthians were there though. You understand what I'm saying? They understood that meat offered to an idol was followed up by a meal and then that temple as a fellowship with their false god. Same thing for Passover with the one and true God. Paul says, you know, no, gnosko. You know that those idols are, a represent, are, are a representative of demons and that there is only one God. Paul is saying this, and now we're getting to the meat of the message, no pun intended. Just kidding, it was intended. <laughs> Excuse me. Paul's saying this, and here's where the rubber meets the road. Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready for this one, but it's coming in hot. Like a fajita. See what I did there? <laughs> Does your knowledge, what's the knowledge, the one true God, the gospel, the transformative work of Jesus Christ in your life, does your knowledge produce distance or direction? My constructs are great. I feel so safe in the Lord. I know exactly how to live. I know how to raise my children, how to tell everyone what to do, and our church lays it out perfectly. You just come on in, and we'll put you through the little washing machine and, and the little discipleship plan that we have, and on the other side, you come out this pretty Christian with a nice bow in your hair, and you know exactly what to look like. Does your faith, your knowledge, does it produce a direction for people? or does it produce distance from the world and those you're trying to reach? Is what you are doing, and I have heard it, I've heard it over and over, and they take this verse and they craft it that we're supposed to be different. But is the different that we're supposed to be something that pushes people away, or something that builds people up in what they were designed to be? You're supposed to be different, you're supposed to look and act and do a certain thing. Church, if you would just figure it out, what is figuring it out? Where you have everything together or where everyone that is outside of the church, those that are unsaved, see what you have and say, can you help me build with the tools you have? Love, what? Builds. Does the knowledge you have of Jesus create space from unsaved people or does it create a direction for unsafe people. That's a litmus test to begin this conversation with. If no one ever wonders how to get to Jesus by being friends with you, chances are your faith is creating distance and not direction. Does that make sense? 
listen to this verse. Look at verse 13. Now, here's where Paul goes vegan on you. You ready? This is the crux of the message. Man, we're going to have time for the Lord's Supper. I tried this week. I better stop while I'm ahead and not say, oh, we got plenty of time. This is going to be good. Next thing you know, I'm going to go on and on for 30 more minutes. Here's the crux of the message. Look down at verse 13. You thought I was playing. Let's go vegan with Paul. Look at it right there. Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never again eat meat so that I won't cause my brother or sister to fall. Here's the crux of the matter. Paul says, if, if a non-believer or even a Christian, even a fellow believer sees you eating meat in a temple to another God, and they think in their heart, what are they doing? Is that okay? Is that right? It causes them to stumble. Paul says, not only will I not eat that meat offered to an idol, he says, I will eat what? No meat. Paul says, it's not about the thing anymore. It's about the person. And this is where we fall short in our westernized culture. I have three questions for you, okay? Three questions this morning. Knowledge puffs up, but love what? Love builds. Love builds. Let me ask you this question. Determine whether or not your priorities are straight by the evidence of your life's construction projects. If love, in fact, builds, edifies, it constructs, I need everybody to take a step back right now, take a deep breath, and look at your life and say, what is love in my life built? And be honest with yourself. What kind of marriage have you built? What does your discipleship look like? Who are you building up right now? What's your relationship with your children look like? Well, they just... No, 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 no. You're the builder. Paul says, if, if it... I'm sorry, Aria. I got loud. The baby's crying. Paul says this. He says, listen. If meat offends them, guess what I'm going to do? I will never eat meat again. I said, you look at what you're building. You look at what you're building. It's not their fault. This isn't a message about how everything's going wrong in the world. This is a message to say, are you building things up or tearing things down? This is a message to say, if the temperature on your knowledge is either so you can be smart, and, and there, there are those folks that I run across all the time, God bless them, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, you know what I mean? They got it all down, but their kids are going to hell and they don't have it figured out at all how to actually articulate what the will of God is. They can spell it out theologically. You understand, but there's no relationship there. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. A false teacher does the same thing. They are really good teachers, but there's no what? substance. There's nothing being built. This morning, I'm asking you to reflect on what are you building? What are you constructing? You say building materials are too high. I would agree. <laughs> it's crazy right now. Don't build anything. Oh, but, oh, but how, what an incredible illustration. You say, I can't build because of X, Y, and Z. What you're saying is, I'd rather have my steak. I'd rather have my filet mignon instead of have that person. 
that lost person that you want to build up? The meat, the steak, rather than the person. Here's three questions for you. Determine, how are you doing on this, you know, in general? Well, well you can kind of gauge the temperature by looking around to what you're building. We're so good at, at looking at life's physical things. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Job is great. Bank account's great. I'm happy. All of the physical things. We can judge it right up. How's your sister doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> poor thing. And then a long list of physical descriptions on all the things that's going wrong in her life, right? How's your aunt? Well, <laughs> she's good, but... Like, we're real good at measuring success this side of heaven with things that absolutely do not matter. When I say, how's your spiritual building happening? Um, um, our tool bags are dusty. We, you know, the last time we actually prayed to the Holy Spirit to help us build someone up, like, that may have been, I, you know, I won someone to Jesus 10 years ago. What about now? What are you doing now? What are you building now? You think his kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be what? Done on earth. Thy kingdom 10 years ago, I was there, I was there. Maybe the last thing that the Lord built was you. He gave you salvation, and you ain't built nothing since. You're a good outhouse for all the dumping of sewage. And the <laughs> Just kidding, that was a little much, sorry. What are you building up? Here's three questions to ask yourself this morning. Number one, and this is what I believe is stopping us. These three things, they're vital. Remember, as pertaining meat offered to idols, that looks a little different in 2021. We're not talking about meat or what would cause another brother or sister to stumble. What is it in 2021 that you do that it causes another Christian or brother to stumble? Do you, do you follow me? On, on the correlation here? Number one, here's this. Are things the only thing that brings you fulfillment rather than people? Let's listen to that again. Are things the only thing that brings you fulfillment rather than people? What I'm not saying is things are wrong. What I am saying, are you constantly building up with things around you and not people. This is the first question, first in a series of three, so just hang on, take a deep breath, everything's gonna be okay, I promise. First question, are there things, right? Things that bring you fulfillment rather than people? If so, number two, are you prone to end a relationship based on something that you value more than the person involved? This is a big one. If you're building up things, lay up for yourself treasures in what? Heaven, where moth and rust don't corrupt. But here on earth, we have the opportunity to have things, meat, dinners, partays, whatever, you know, like back in the day, there were things. And here's the litmus test. What causes you to end a relationship? This is good. Paul said, if it comes to meat offered to idols, guess what? Every day of the week, 
I'll go vegan. Every day of the week, sorry baby, every day of the week, I'll literally stop eating that if that thing is gonna cause them to stumble. If there's anything in my life, it ain't about a tie, it ain't about a car, it's not a house, whatever. If it's my, the way I talk, the way I am, that's just who I am. Get, get over it, why, she, why can't she see that? Why can't he see that, that's just who I am. When I moved here, I had to learn that there is such a thing as being Dundalk. You know what I mean? Being Dundalk. I'm just Dundalk. And it always comes with this like, like rubber neck. I'm just Dundalk. <laughs> Sorry. Easy. Here they come. And then Sarah and I lived in Dundalk for a long time. And now we're from Essex, shoot. Them people, boy, they know what's up. Essex, you thought Dundalk was bad. Move to Essex, shoot. <laughs> now we got, I, oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it right there. I could have a whole bit just on that. It's been wonderful though. Love you, Essex, God bless you. My point is this. Look, if anybody needs it, it's this church. And I mean it. There is not an excuse that that is just where I'm from and that's just how I do things. That doesn't exist in the gospel. Paul said if it's meat, I'll not touch it again. Listen, think about the last relationship that you ended. I ain't talking to her no more. I ain't doing that, no, shoot. I got boundaries, you know? Like, I gotta worry about mines, whatever that means. Don't worry about mines. I got things. I got stuff. <laughs> I'm killing myself up here. Here's the thing. Like, here's what Paul is saying. I, and I believe this. This chapter should be revolutionary for everyone that lives in Baltimore. We, we literally, and just so you know, I've now lived here longer than I've lived anywhere in my life. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Anywhere I grew up, wherever, I've lived here longer. So here, here's the thing. Here's what I'm saying. Here's for America. The thing should never come before the person. If you ended a relationship because of something, some amount of money, a dispute, a discussion, reel it back and, and remember that love builds. It doesn't tear down. And Paul was willing to be the stronger for the weaker. And what does that mean? It means he was willing to say, I don't need meat anymore. We need a bunch of people that are willing to go vegan. Willing to go vegan for the Lord. You know what? Whatever it is, I don't really care. We have created a space here at Bethlehem where we're not about the thing. We have people that come from all different backgrounds. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're 10, if you're 100. It doesn't matter. Like, we prefer one over what? The other. Meat is just the topic at hand that they asked about. And Paul said, here's what I want you to understand. Before I answer this question and say, yeah, go eat what you want, I can't answer it that way. It's never go do what you want. It's go do what reaches that person. Go do what reaches that per No, no, I need black and white. For some of you type A personalities, this is gonna kill you. 
No, 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 no. Tell me exactly what to do. Tell me how to reach people. Uh, I need rules right now. <laughs> Pastor, we need direction. No, you need a vacation. Some time away. And possibly, I don't know, what's the pill that brings them down? I don't know. Find one. Maybe two. Find a, a natural herbal. What do we give the children on the trips? <laughs> it's like a melatonin. Here's three. <laughs> and maybe that's it. Maybe that's your thing. You just have to be right. You, you know what I mean? That's a thing for a lot of people. I just have to be right. <laughs> this is good, wasn't it? <laughs> Look, this is like raw. This is raw stuff. No pun intended. <laughs> I eat my... Rare. <laughs> Let me ask you, is the thing more important than the person? I'm not that way. Your last five relationships that ended, why did they end? Then be honest with yourself. Then be honest with yourself. Yeah, I do kind of prefer things over people. It happens. Hey, and guess what? We all do it. Can we all be honest and say, we all want to say, this is just me. This is who I am. Get over it. Verse 13, Paul says, go vegan with me, guys. You're asking the wrong question. The question should be, hey, not can I do that, but what can we do to introduce them to who knows us? That's the question. What can I do to show Jesus to people? Would you be willing to stop something or start something if you knew it would help your gospel witness? Let me ask you something. Who in your life right now needs to see a different side of you? Who in your life right now needs to see you vulnerable, needs to see you give up something for them? Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.